Hello, and welcome to Walk to Wellbeing, the wellness podcast from Health and Wellbeing magazine, sponsored by Sketches. I'm Holly, the editor of Health and Wellbeing, and each episode, you and I get to join someone as they go for a walk, eavesdropping on them as they talk about their own wellness journey. Each of our guests will answer the same questions, but the conversation, like their walk, might meander a bit as they go. After we leave them, I'll be joined by some of the magazine team to pick out things from that walk that we want to put into action right away in our lives. Think about your answers to each question as you listen too. And if you'd like to record your own walk to wellbeing, you can even download the question pack from healthwellbeing.com and we would love to hear it. Right now though, for our very first episode, we're about to join Amanda Byram, presenter, model, and even our very own columnist for health and wellbeing, as she steps out of her front door in Hove on the south coast of England in April 2021. Beautiful fresh air. Oh, what a glorious day it is today. The sun is finally shining. And I've just left my house and I've realised the absolute gratitude I hold for having moved to the south coast of England. I'm living in Hove and I've just walked out the door and I can see the sea. Look at that. It literally is a stone's throw from my house and it's just such a blessing. I never thought I'd, I'd actually be able to live because I've lived in London for a very long time. I lived in LA, I'm from Ireland. And I suppose because I'm from Ireland, the idea of living in London for so long is, is quite strange to me because I'm so used to being surrounded by sea, you know, living on an island and living in Dublin and then moving to London where you know you can't see a horizon or you're sort of surrounded by buildings a lot and don't get me wrong I absolutely loved my time in London but it's when I wake up and I hear the seagulls oh can you hear them there they are hear the seagulls and smell that fresh air I just I'm so grateful to have had the opportunity to move here and have this as my my daily walk I suppose also one of the things I've become very grateful for is as difficult as COVID has been for everyone and, and, as, and as hard as it's been on so many people's lives, I think one of the positives that's come out of it is that there's this realisation that everything can change in a heartbeat and, you know, we're not really tied to the places that we we thought we were tied to. So for the longest time, I assumed I had to be in London and I had to be, you know, close to where the hubbub was and all of these things. And slowly but surely after lockdowns were were happening, we realized that we could sort of work from anywhere. And, you know, if you had a car and if I had to go to studio and it was just the same as going from London as it would be from going anywhere in the country. So Hove is where my husband's from and, 
his parents are here. And we just thought, if I can't be close to my parents and he wasn't close to his, well, what were we doing wrong? So we made the move last December and it's been just so joyous. And for me, one of the main things has been this proximity to the sea and to nature, which I just didn't really feel I had living in London. The other thing I love about being in Hove is that it's very green, and I don't mean with grass, I mean everybody loves to recycle. I'm just passing by all of our recycling bins, and it's really imperative that, you know, in London we had the bins that we would put out every Friday, and here there is no such thing as bin day. It's, uh, you gotta go out and put your glass in one, and you put your plastics in the other, and your cardboards in the other, I'm a big eco-warrior and I'm really passionate about the planet and what we're doing to it. So it also felt really right to be here and just see how clean everything has been and is being cleaned. Which I guess is why I just feel so close to, to happiness when I'm closest to nature and I'm closest to the beach and the seaside and the fresh air, because they're not making any more of it, <laughs> that's for sure. Oh, ever so close now. The whole time I've been walking down the road, I've had the sea in my, my skyline, my horizon, and I just sort of stare at it as I walk, just staring at it as it gets closer. I love coming for walks by myself down here. It's funny, I never used to do that before when I lived in London. I don't know why, and maybe I didn't feel as safe or it just felt a little bit more congested. 
But here I'm really happy to come for walks by myself. And I love that because it's quite a lovely little community down here and everybody smiles and obviously my husband knows a lot of people from childhood so we always bump into people on the beach and I call him Norm from Cheers because every time we walk down there it's like that moment where Norm goes into the bar and cheers and says hello everyone Norm <laughs> he'll actually be joining me on this walk in a little while because I sent him off to the post office so that I could start my walk <laughs> bless him so he will catch me up at some point, I'm sure. But yeah, it's a, it's a really glorious, glorious walk. Look at that. So I'm about half a block from the sea now. The sun is pounding down. This is probably the nicest day we've had for quite some time. It's been a really long winter. <laughs> but even at that, you know, walking is so important to me that walking in all kinds of weather. I always say there's no such thing as bad weather. There's only bad equipment. If you're not fully equipped for your walk or your run, then sorry, but you are going to get wet or cold or frostbite. <laughs> so if you're layered up, then actually it's quite glorious. You know, one of the things I love about coming on this walk is that every single day at every time of the day it's completely different you know it's just the sea is is at a different level the wind is different the sky is always different it's cloudy it's not at night it's starry it's not sometimes it's so imposing at night you know the dark dark ocean with no light whatsoever and no light pollution on some parts of this walk in the evening and it's just so gorgeous and almost really really petrifying and scary i mean i'm i'm obsessed with the universe and the sky and i'm obsessed with the sea the two things i'm absolutely passionate about and when you put those two together and you sort of see a starry night over a dark sea that's just crashing oh my god it's magical and powerful and just makes you realize how tiny we really are. Tiny, tiny, tiny. So now as I'm approaching the Brighton Beach Huts, ah, if anybody knows the beach huts down at Brighton and Hove, they're a, sort of a very famous landmark along the boardwalk all really, really colourful and glorious and joyous. They're so lovely. So remind me of, you know, when we came to Brighton when we were very young and we bought Brighton Rock and came to visit family here. My uncle and my auntie lived here a long, long time ago. I often say to my husband, I could have bumped into you when I was 10 years old. Who knows? Sliding doors moments. Oh. And there it is in all its glory. Beautiful. I wish this was a visual podcast and you could see what I'm seeing right now. Hut number 79A are having a, a lovely boozy lunch of a picnic outside. I don't know if you heard them giggling. Oh, there's a lot of people sunbathing outside their huts today. 
that's how warm it actually is. Well, it is April after all. It's about time we got some sunshine. <laughs> So there's lots of people out um, supping, stand-up paddle boarding. One of the other things I absolutely love about being down here, people are not afraid to get into the water. And I love that. There's a guy doing Tai Chi. And I'm now on the stones. These famous Brighton Hove stones. You know, it's funny. Before we moved down here, I, I used to say to my husband, but I don't like the stones. They're so uncomfortable. I like sand. And he used to say, well, think about the sand that gets in your cracks of your bikinis and your toes and your food for picnics. And he was right, because actually, I rarely go home and find sand on the, the ground. So it's perfect. Tide is out, which is glorious, which means I'm right down by the sea. So my first question, what gets you out on a walk? What gets me out on a walk? Oh, so many things. I mean, for me, walking is, it kind of means existing, you know? I've got limbs, I've got arms, I've got legs. I've got my eyes, it's free, it gets air in my lungs, it makes me think, it makes me breathe, you know, I love walking and people watching, I love walking and talking with my husband, it's just such a beautiful and easy way to, to kind of take everything in. You know, I just love nature. I love taking deep breaths. I love visuals. You know, when I'm feeling a little bit low or blue or sad, I just get out for a walk. And sometimes that's difficult because, you know, if you're not feeling very good in yourself, the last thing you want to do is walk out the front door. But, you know, I've, I've lived that experience many times and I know that by pushing yourself to get out the door, ultimately, you will never regret it. You know, that, that long, beautiful walk, I hated it, said no one ever. <laughs> you know, my mum and I actually always, always, we were walking buddies when I was growing up in Ireland. We lived very close to a park called the Phoenix Park in Dublin. And so mum and I would just always just, you know, let's go for a walk and chat about stuff. We'd chat about the world and we'd chat about stuff the things that I wanted to do and at the time I was getting into modeling so I used to do these like catwalk walks for her and she'd watch me do my spins and turns and then walking sort of then from then on in became a pastime for me that was just really calming and really um inclusive of everything around me you know I just I love watching sunsets I love watching the sky and like I said, I love watching the night sky in particular. So any time of day, I guess, when is my favorite time to walk? Um, early morning is actually brilliant and late at night are the two of my favorite walk times. Early morning because, you know, people are out 
running. Everyone's elated because it's the first sort of light. I love watching the sunrise and I just love watching the sunset, I guess. They're probably two of my favorite things. And like I say, you know, especially here on this particular walk today, it's always completely different. It's ever changing, you know? You know, I'm just standing here and I'm watching the waves come in. And I just always think, where did that wave come from? How far across the sea, the Atlantic, the ocean has it come? What country has it come from? Where did it originate? What stories has it got to tell? What's it seen under there? Has it seen whales and fish and octopus? Has it seen plastic? Has it seen, you know, a fight between two species? And then it lands right here at my feet and it dissipates and it's come for, I don't know, how many thousands of miles. And here it is, the end of its journey right here. And I just love that. I just think it's so romantic and beautiful and gorgeous. So I guess the answer of the question, what gets me out on a walk, is so all-encompassing. It's mood, it's exercise, it's the idea that, you know, you can walk and talk and resolve the problems of the world. You can discuss things, you can let things go. Often, you know, if I'm having a discussion about something on my walk and I get frustrated, it's the best time to take a deep, deep breath because it's so fresh and full of air and you can get your lungs going. Speaking of exercise, I'm now gonna climb a groin. <laughs> Cove Beach is full of little compartmentalised smaller beaches, I suppose, in a sense. And there's groins that separate them all. So when the tide is out, actually, it's great because you can walk around the groin. It's not out quite as far as I'd hoped today, but that's okay. You'll hear me grunting getting over the groin about 15 times over the next half an hour. <laughs> So the next question, where's your dream walk? Oh, so many dream walks, my goodness. Um, well, the walk that I loved the most in the past would have to be the Bondi to Kiji coastal walk. I don't know if anybody has been to Sydney, but it is one of my happy places, shall we say. And there's a walk that goes between the beaches, starts off at Kuji or Bondi, either or, either end. And it just, the walk takes you around the cliff and it's sort of built into the side of the cliff, so to speak. So the pathway goes upstairs, downstairs, um, in and around this beautiful graveyard. Uh, built within cliffs. I mean, it's absolutely stunning. And I used to run it actually in my, in my running days, of which I no longer am a part of, because <laughs> I've slowed right down. 
and it gave me injuries. So walking, walking that walk is just so reminiscent of my happy place and so many happy, happy memories. So that would probably be my favourite walk that I loved the most in the past. And, and to do that again someday soon. I did it a couple of years ago. My husband and I went to Sydney to visit some of my best friends and, and I was able to take him on that, which was really, really special, special moment. So, yeah, the one that I would like to be on today. Oh, that's interesting because I used to live my life very much not in the present. I was a big, um, I suppose a big, I wouldn't say, well, I suppose I was a victim of my own need to be either in the past or the future and not ever living in the present. Even when I was doing stuff in the present, I would say things like, well, when I get through this, I can do this. Or when I get through that, I can do that. Or, you know, I'm doing this now, but what about this that we're going to do in the future? So I suppose the answer to the walk I would love to be on today is this one. Because why would I want to be anywhere else, right? I think the notion of ever taking yourself out of the moment is so, I suppose it's so dysfunctional for our brains and we really, really need to be so careful about being present and mindful. And I know mindfulness is a very common phrase and it's a bit of a buzzword, but it's a buzzword for a reason because being mindful is, is everything. Being in this moment and trying to take it in is, it's actually meditative. And sometimes we don't realize it because we think that we're planning and we think that we're doing the very best for, for ourselves and our lives by thinking ahead. But actually the very best thing we can do for ourselves is to stop and be still and take in everything. You know, this sand that's under my feet right now. So I've gone from rocks to sand. And what I'm thinking is, you know, how incredible it is that a rock, a big massive rock, something so hard and so impenetrable, when brought together with other rocks, becomes sand. Something that's so soft and fragile and moldable. You know, if I wasn't on this walk, I wouldn't have had that thought, right? <laughs> um, and where would I really want to walk in the future? Ooh, I'd definitely go back to the, uh, the Bondi Takuji walk, but I think I would love more than anything to walk the Camino with my mom. She's desperate to do it. Um, hang on, I'm just going to go around a groin without getting my feet wet. Made it, yes. Um, she's always been really desperate to do it, and I just think it would be such a beautiful bonding experience between mother and daughter, husband, wife, partners, the idea of walking for two weeks and in silence or not and making it from point to point would just be so utterly incredible. So yeah, I think that would be my, my future walk of dreams or even um, back to the Cliffs of Moher where I spent this Christmas just gone. We finally got to see my parents having had two weeks of quarantine 
flying into Ireland and uh, I hadn't seen them for almost a year because of COVID. And my husband and I, we walked the Cliffs of Moher every day during quarantine because it was within our 5K allowance and there was no one on the cliffs, which was just divine. Something I could recommend highly to everyone at least once in their lives. It's magical. So that would be another walk in the future that I would like to take. people out picnicking on the beach which is really really lovely lots of people swimming today ah cold water swimming one of my favorites what does switching off look like to you hmm. I suppose this comes back to mindfulness, doesn't it? And being in the present, because I just, I really believe that switching off is one of the most important things you can do for your mental health. If you consider that we have, on average, 70,000 thoughts a day. Think about that, 70,000, oh, there's another thought, 70,001 thoughts a day. I mean, our mind is like this crazy maelstrom just whizzing around, always thinking. I'm, I'm very creative and so I'm always planning and thinking and obviously that's one of the things I've had to work on in the recent years of my life because it just became so overwhelming. So I just think, you know, being present is the road to being emotionally stable. You know, that state that we, we all crave to get to and we all have it within us. You know, even mundane tasks that we do. I find washing dishes weirdly or squeegeeing the water off the, the shower door kind of makes me feel like I stop and I can think about stuff because it's switching off, right? So, yeah, switching off, what does it look like to me? Um, is it important to disconnect? Yes, it is. And I think disconnection is, is twofold. You know, to disconnect from something is, that's probably not relevant to your life at this present moment in time. And you think about it too much and it sort of puts you into a tailspin. Things you have no control over. I think it's important to know the difference. You really have to disconnect from things like that when it's time. But then the opposite to that is connecting, right? Reconnecting reconnecting to nature, to calmer things, plugging into nature. So the literal opposite of disconnecting. So I think to connect, to disconnect is, is actually quite important. So I think to compartmentalize the two is, is really key. How selfish am I able to be in my life? Ooh, 
fairy. <laughs> and actually, I think that's a really good thing. And I think the word selfish is actually, has been given a very negative connotation. And I don't think that's a good thing. Um, to be selfish is to put yourself first. And there is nothing wrong with that. You know, I tell women all the time that as women, we try to be everything to everyone, don't we? We try to be the best mothers, the best sisters, the best wives, the best partners, the best girlfriends, the best employee, the best daughters, the best everything. We put so much pressure on ourselves. And, you know, unless you're selfish, and again, I don't, I don't even like the sound of that word, but unless, I'll rephrase it, unless you focus on you and give you you time above and beyond everyone else, then I think it's really detrimental to your health. So yeah, I'm able to be selfish. <laughs> and yeah, I think we should all be selfish a lot more than we are. Maybe we need to change the word selfish to self-full, self-full, self-love, self-full, something like that. Yeah, I like that. I'm feeling very self-full today. Huh. I have just recoined selfish. <laughs> what rituals do I use to switch off? Ooh, I've learned a lot of techniques over the last years. Um, I think things like NLP is really, really important, neuro-linguistic programming. So neuro being the brain, linguistics being words, linguistics, not the pasta, um, and programming. So the brain to mind connection. And I think this is something that's neglected very often and we don't realize how powerful it is, the power that our words have and that our words in our mind of our thoughts have. And very often I think you can switch off or you can change your psyche and you can change your mood by just changing little words, you know, like selfish. Honestly, I'm not, I'm not joking. That's the word selfish kind of sounds a bit negative. So use selfful instead. I'm being selfful today. Or the word stress, right? That word is stressful in itself. How often do we say the word stress? Oh, I'm so stressed right now. Doesn't that make you more stressed? What about the word busy? Oh, I've got such a busy week, you have no idea. Well, is it busy or is it productive? Because I think it's productive. Because if you say I've got such a productive week when you wake up at seven o'clock on Monday morning, isn't that brilliant? Don't you love that? Isn't that gonna make you less stressed and more productive? Switching the word stress for something like funky or squishy or squashy is really, really cool. I do that a lot. I try not to use the word stress anymore. It's um, just like I try not to say the word like anymore. <laughs> and honestly, it really, really makes a huge difference to you being able to switch off or to you being able to have a calmer mind. So yeah, I think it's really worth trying it. Even little tips like 
changing the word but to and. We don't realize it, but the word but is actually very negative. So let's say I'm saying, ooh, I'm on a lovely walk, but my shoes have stones in them. I've completely negated the lovely walk by saying but. Whereas if I change the word but for and, I would say I'm on a lovely walk and my shoes have stones in them. So I guess I'll not wear these again. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the lovely walk that you're on hasn't been affected by the but. And you can use that in every single aspect of your life. I'm having such a lovely day, but your shirt is so lovely, but switch it for and every time. Sometimes it's really difficult to do that. I cannot stress enough, even in emails, try that. I, I now switch out the word but every time I write it in an email and the sentence becomes so much calmer. It's, it's really magical. Yeah, try that. Try that and pop me a DM on social. Actually, social media, that's another way to switch off. Social media has sort of taken over our lives, hasn't it? We're always thinking of what to post, what to say, how to be relevant, how to get likes. Do people not like me? Why didn't they love me? Why didn't I get a thumbs up or a love heart? And, you know, this constant cycle of refreshing and it's a dopamine hit, you know, it's, it's addictive. There's a, a group of very, very well-paid, smart people in Silicon Valley in California who have designed social media specifically to do what it does, and that is to refresh, refresh, refresh. Do I have any more likes? Yes, I've got one. Now I've got that hit. It's like the same hit that you get when you take class A drugs, and that is not, that is not a lie. That is absolute fact. So yeah, I would suggest coming off social media at least once a week or for a week or for a month and don't tell people you're coming off it because actually I've learned no one cares no one on social media cares when you tell them you're taking a break just come off it and watch your mood really really elevate it is quite fascinating uh-oh we have a dog who is <laughs> will not get out of the water he's loving it Oh, bless him. His owner is throwing the ball into the water and he's just wants to drown himself before he gets the ball. Who is really nailing their well-being in my life? Um, in all honesty, my husband. That man is, or he's not, he's not joined me by the way, I'm still by myself, which is actually really, really nice because um, I can talk about him now and, uh, and he won't be listening. <laughs> um, he's just brilliant. I mean, he's always so calm, even when the situation escalates, you know. He's got this really deep understanding of how the mind works. 
you know, the machinations of the human psyche. So he studied psychology. He has a degree in psychology, so that obviously helps. But in turn, he sort of understands not only how to be, how to exist and how to think for being calm, but more importantly, and this is the bit that I just, I'm in awe of him for, he knows how to deal with other people's energy and attitudes. Whereas, you know, if a situation occurred, I would immediately fly off the handle. I'm quite, you know, well, not anymore because I've learned from him, but I used to be quite um, erratic and, and instantly sort of agitated with people. And I found that I used to fall out with people a lot. It's, um, it's called socially prescribed perfectionism, interestingly. That's a whole other podcast. But, um, you know, you kind of um, assume that everybody else should sort of be doing things if you're doing them. Sorry, other-oriented perfectionism. Self, self-oriented perfectionism. Other-oriented perfectionism is socially prescribed. Socially prescribed is more geared towards... Um, assuming that everybody thinks you should be perfect. But other-oriented perfectionism is sort of when, you know, let's say a taxi driver doesn't get you to the right destination on time, you get really angry with him and say, he had one job to do. Well, actually, did he just have one job? Because he might have had several jobs and he might have had a death in the family. And there's so many things that could have gone wrong for him that day. But we sort of project our anxiety on them because they didn't come up to our standard. So, yeah, he's got this really innate understanding of other people. And he always says, you know, everyone's the hero of their own story. You're the hero of yours. She's the hero of hers. That person in the gym who took your bench and you were angry, they're the hero of their story because they think they deserve to have it. So you have to deal with people accordingly. And I think that's, that's something I emulate to, you know, just resolving other people's issues for them and deflecting the situation. And, you know, he's been in so many conversations with me that I've dragged him into that people at the end of it, they started the conversation saying, ah, screaming, shouting, this deal isn't good enough, da, 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 to the end saying, dude, you should be the president someday. I don't know why, but I'm really calm right now. I don't know what you just said. <laughs> so yeah, he is for sure, without a shadow of a doubt, my, my inspiration when it comes to nailing well-being. Everything is resolvable for him, as it should be. You know, he says there are no problems. There's only solutions. Problems are there to be resolved. And and I guess that takes a lot of, a lot of um, self-work and I've done a lot of work thanks to him over the last seven years since we've known each other. And, and it is work, you know, it takes time and it takes understanding who you are and, and what your sort of faults are. But it's very, very possible for all of us. You just have to exercise your ability to do so you know you weren't born brushing your teeth were you you weren't born walking we learned all these things we learned bad habits we learned how to speak unkindly to ourselves so we can just as easily unlearn it oh people are out so I'm passing by this really, really cool 
bar restaurant called Rockwater in Hove. And obviously on April 12th, everything opened outside. And it's just so lovely walking past here because they have deck chairs and they have um, like a patio area. So people are out being convivial, congregating, eating, drinking, laughing again. People are laughing again. I love it so much. It's so nice to see it. It makes me so happy. Kites are being flown today. It's definitely a windy one. I don't know if you've heard me climbing these groins all the way. I think I'm nailing them without <laughs> taking too many grunts or deep breaths. <laughs> question is when you're feeling stressed how do you combat your triggers well as I said earlier the first thing is I ditch the word stress altogether because the word stress is stressful <laughs> so changing out the word for something like squishy or squashy or funky or floopy honestly can make a world of difference um, apart from that Breathing is so important, obviously. And I know that's something we sort of say and we take for granted. And it's something a lot of people say, just breathe. And we don't really think about the words, just breathe, do we? Because, well, of course I'm breathing. I'm not not breathing. Well, isn't that the point? Because breathing means life. If you're holding your breath and you're stressed, funky, squashy, squishy, funky, whatever, and you're tense and you're holding it in your chest, you're affecting your ability to think and act with clarity. So one of my um, easy peasy wheezy tips that I do is um, I just do a little breathing technique, which is in for four, hold for eight and out for four. So let's try it now. I'm going to stop and look at the ocean. Okay. love exhaling audibly because you're letting it all go and this tiny trick is actually a trick that the US Special Forces use believe it or not because it's a pattern interrupt and when they are in literal life or death situations I mean actual <laughs> life or death situations not just the hyperbole that we use on a daily basis you focus on the counting of the numbers you focus on the swelling of your chest and it has that, it starves your thought, your scared thought or your funky thought of oxygen and you reset. It's like a little reset button, which is, is so helpful. Definitely try it. Um, I use guided meditation a lot, which really, really helps me. I'm not brilliant at meditating silently. It is something that I definitely want to do in my life and I will do at some point in my life. Um, for now guided really really helps me and I listen to I choose people who I like their voices and I 
find them calming. I tell you whose voice I love is Russell Brand. I mean, such a brilliant guy. I've met him and interviewed him a few times, but his voice is so, um, puts me into a trance. I just love it. And he's fun and funny and sort of really, he really doesn't take it too seriously, even though he does. He does because he lives it and he breathes it and he lives the meditative life and the transformational life. At the same time, he brings humor into it because that's just his personality. And it allows you to think, oh, hey, he's not a bearded guru. Well, he's very bearded and he's actually quite a guru, but he, you know, he's not the Dalai Lama and he's not someone who's been a monk for 50 years. He's just a normal guy from Essex who was a drug addict and you know, had very, very many addictions and, and issues that he talks about very openly in all his books. And, and he's funny, you know, he's really funny. So I love listening to him. Um, I YouTube guided meditation sometimes. There's some really, generation meditation is great. Generation Calm, sorry. I have an app that I use called Unplug, which is a, a meditation studio I used to attend in LA. That's great. So yeah, I think guided meditation there's nothing to be afraid of. You know, a lot of the times it's free. You just go on YouTube and pop something in and pop in what it is you're worried about, shall we say. Um, how else do I combat my triggers? Uh, you know, I have a great trick that I think if you do get triggered by funky feelings often, you can use. And that, I call it the future you. This comes back to what we were talking about earlier, um, which was being in the present and being mindfulness and being on this walk today, as opposed to thinking about the future. You know, if there's something that's upsetting you or something that you're worried about, you know, let future you deal with it. Future Amanda can deal with stuff that's happening in June or July or next year when future Amanda deals with it right now present Amanda is going to deal with the now. It's a really powerful tool. Um, so I really suggest you try it. It's really simple. And another one quite like that that I love to use is the 10-10-10 rule. So let's say something has happened, okay? Something that's triggered you, something that puts you into a bit of a tailspin. So you have to ask yourself, is this going to matter in 10 seconds? Probably. 10 seconds is quite a short amount of time. Is it going to be a problem in 10 minutes? Might, might be, yeah, probably. Is it gonna be a problem in 10 hours? 10 days, 10 weeks, 10 months, 10 years, right? So you go through the list and you think, you sort of evaluate the severity of the issue. And sometimes it is a very valid, severe issue and, and yes, you know, losing loved ones, losing jobs. They're things that are definitely, you know, cause for concern and advice and therapy and whatever you need to get through that. However, sometimes we're triggered by really tiny things. And that's why it's important to sort of level out the severity and say, you know what, actually, in 10 weeks time, I might be laughing at this. 
and it brings you down it sort of brings you down off the ledge so yeah I suggest trying that and then the other one I love to use is when I get triggered I used to have this really bad habit of getting so wound up in the issue that I couldn't actually see straight and I would get to the point where I'd want to pass out I know that's really weird um, and you know when before a show and like a live event I would get really really sleepy and apparently I think I've, I've done a bit of reading up on it apparently sometimes people have systems that want to shut down and, and ignore stress or triggers altogether so you know there's this sort of I would kind of have this maelstrom of thoughts and and just like oh my god I can't deal with this right now I'm so fuzzy so I imagine a glass of water okay now imagine putting a spoonful of salt into that water now stir up that salt really 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 fast okay and look at that glass it's really fuzzy it's really hazy it's totally unclear right that's your mind now close your eyes and stare at that glass as the salt begins to settle and as it's doing that take those deep breaths and in your mind's eye you watch the salt start to settle to the bottom once it settles to the bottom you'll find that you've done the breathing you've taken your mind off the thing that triggered you and you've all of a sudden become calm so that's my salt in the water trick hopefully that works for you it's a fun little trick so try that <sighs> when was the last time you challenged yourself to try something new or different I love a challenge I love a challenge I'm very competitive by the way which I like I never do anything without wanting to win <laughs> or be the best at which I've had to ditch that over the last few years because I realized it wasn't healthy um, well I think moving to Hove moving out of London after being there for so long was a big big challenge and, and a new thing that I tried that I was unsure about at first and now it's the best thing I've ever done um, cold water swimming that's something I took up about a year ago I love Wim Hof if you haven't heard of Wim Hof he's at W-I-M-H-O-F one F I believe maybe two but I think one on Instagram he is an anomaly in terms of his immune system he he swims in ice water he's climbed Everest in his shorts I mean the man is just incredible um, but obviously it's been really massively documented the benefits of cold water swimming and I know that over the last year with Covid a lot of people couldn't use swimming pools so a lot of people have taken to it but yeah it's one of the joys of moving to Hove I think is that I push myself and I try to get into the water as much as I can and just in general you know I love challenging myself I always say 20 seconds of insane courage is all it takes to do something brave and wonderful I think that's a quote from We Bought a Zoo with Matt Damon. <laughs> I don't know, I couldn't be sure, but I think so. Um, wonderful movie, by the way, if you get a chance to watch it. 
But that, that quote always stuck in my head. And it's so true, you know, how often have you been in a situation where you thought, I can't, I can't, I can't. And then you don't. But then take a deep breath, count 20 seconds and go for it. Go Matt Damon. He bought a zoo. love these stairs there's toward the end of Hove Beach there's a couple of beaches with sets of stairs which are really fun to do little sprints up and down should you fancy oh the next question when is the last time you cried I cry a lot <laughs> I'm a really emotional person, um, but I tend to cry to myself and not in front of people. Even watching movies with my husband, my husband is the person I'm the most honest with in the whole world. I, I tend to sort of, oh, things back. Oh, movies, I cry at movies all the time. But I know the last time I think I cried in front of people was um, having not seen my family for almost a year last year, like I know so many so many people suffered the same withdrawals and uh, homesickness obviously and once we had gone back to Ireland and we we did the quarantine and we were able to see them oh man that was a that was a teary moment to say the least but a very very happy one and maybe I might have cried at Matt Damon and we bought a zoo <laughs> I have reached a groin that is made of wood and is not so easy to climb. Okay, you might hear a bit of grunting. Oh yeah. What's one recent little win you're happy with? going to come back to saying moving to Hove is probably a big one for me um, but I've mentioned that quite a lot so let me think of something else I suppose I try not to connect happiness with work stuff because I've learned I've learned the hard way actually that you know our, our jobs don't define us because when our jobs go away or you know, they're not as frequent as you'd like, which has happened to me a lot in the past. I used to suffer from feeling like I wasn't good enough or I had nothing to sort of strive for. And it's something I had to work really hard on to just make sure that my job didn't define me. Um, so this one is actually sort of, you know, contradicts that. Um, but I'm a really, I had always been a really big fan of a TV show on Channel 4 called Food Unwrapped. And I used to watch it with my family in Ireland whenever I'd go back. And, you know, I'm super into health and fitness and food and what's in food and why it's in food and how things are made. And so, yeah, it was a big, big show for us and really enjoy it. And 
on one of my work meetings, I sat with Channel 4 and the guy who was the commissioning editor at the time said, you know, what are you up to? And I told him that I was taking a, you know, a nutrition course and et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, long story short, I said to him, what are you working on? And he said, well, I've been tasked with revamping a show called Food Unwrapped. To which I said, Food Unwrapped, you say? <laughs> anyway, I think you know where this is going. Long story short, um, I said, I'd love to be involved. He said, what are your credentials? So I sent over some emails with all of the nutrition stuff because obviously, you know, when you work in entertainment, you're only really ever seen as being primarily Saturday night entertainment show host. But, you know, we've all got a CV of life, haven't we? We're not just one thing all the time we're many things and that's brilliant so yeah I got the job and I am now hosting one of I'm co-hosting uh, one of my favorite tv shows so that was a a big win for me which I'm absolutely thrilled about what is the biggest life lesson you've learned in the last year Ooh. I am always learning. I'll never stop learning. And I love that. I suppose that nothing is certain, especially given the year we've all had, you know, that anything can happen. So for me, I've really learned to live in the moment and sort of embrace every moment just in case, you know, there could be a fourth wave or we could go into lockdown again or you know, we could catch COVID and all of the things that have been so real to all of us for these last 12, 14 months. Um, and I think also I've learned how important human connection is, right? Because it's something we've not had for the last year. Human connection, being tactile, hugging people, being convivial, being around other people. It's so important to us as humans, we need that interaction. And I think that's been a really big lesson for me. And also that I love my husband's company because <laughs> we had a lot of time together. So lots of really lovely life lessons, I think, important ones. Well, this is rather bizarre. So I'm about to reach the very end of the beach where in order to get back up to the top, I'd have to turn around as opposed to being able to climb a groin. And I've come to the last question. How utterly brilliant is that? It's sort of like these questions were made for this walk. The final question is, complete the following sentences. Being healthy is. Oof. Being healthy, for me, anyway, is about balance, I think. Um, and that goes for absolutely every aspect, mentally, physically, emotionally, with love, with fun, with work. It's all about balance and it's about balancing all of those things, sort of like you're the celestial being and all of these, you know, moons are revolving around you and they have to be balanced in order for you to, to have a healthy, happy life. So that's what being healthy is for me. I'm most me 
when I'm mostly when I'm with my family with my parents and my sister and my husband without a shadow of a doubt I'm even more me with them than I am with my really good friends I think we all tend to sort of become a version of ourselves especially with strangers but even with friends you know because different friends offer you different things in life we've got different circles of friends friends who you have fun with friends who you're serious with and ultimately I think we sort of have parts of ourselves that we embrace more with some people but with my husband and my my parents and my sister I'm there's no there's nothing that's off limits it's it's a it's me a hundred percent all the way um, and my husband will probably say I'm most me when I'm in what he calls the Odin sleep. I don't know if you, if you watch any of the Marvel movies, but I love my sleep and I will sleep until uh, there's an earthquake or a comet hits the earth. I'll be sleeping all the way through. <laughs> oh, and what is the best thing about my walk today, Ben? The best thing about my walk today has been this interview, has been this podcast, has been answering these questions. Because um, I've really had time to walk slowly. And it's funny because, like I said earlier, my husband was due to join me. And I thought that it would be great to have someone walking beside me so that I wouldn't feel a bit silly with a microphone on my top and walking past people on the beach and I've loved that so many people have looked and thought why is that crazy lady talking to herself <laughs> but it didn't matter and I love that I didn't care and actually as I was passing people I found that I was feeling more enthusiastic about it and you know wanting to share my thoughts with them even though they think I'm crazy lady on the beach <laughs> I just loved you know taking the time to think and watching the, the waves ebb and flow and taking everything in because I wanted you to know where I was and what I'm doing and what I'm seeing. So I think I've been extra mindful and sort of alert, which has been really, really lovely. So thank you for listening to me. I'm not sure if I sound a little bit out of breath. I am walking up stones now, so <laughs> apologies for that. But thank you for listening. And hopefully I've been able to bring you along with me on my walk to mindfulness today. Oh, look who I've spotted. It's only my husband. Hello. I'm so glad they managed to meet in the end. 
I was on tenterhooks all through that waiting for Amanda's husband to show up. And how lovely was it to hear from Amanda and hear the pebbles under her feet and the waves lapping on the beach. I can't wait to dig into everything she said with Vicky and Stacey from the health and wellbeing team. But before we get to that, let's take a quick pause for a message from our sponsor, Sketches. Walk to Wellbeing is proudly sponsored by Sketches. Put a spring in your step with Sketches' range of comfort-boosting shoes featuring the very latest walking technology. The new lightweight, high-flex ArchFit range is designed to take great care of your feet, wherever your walk to wellbeing may take you. Over 20 years of data was used to create the amazing ArchFit cushioning insole, which is removable too, and provides complete foot and arch support for all day comfort. Shop the ranges online at sketchers.co.uk. That's S-K-E-C-H-E-R-S.co.uk where you'll find thousands of shoes, boots and trainers to bring you and your family style and support with every step. Stacey, Vicky, I don't know about you, but I loved listening to Amanda's chat. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I really felt like I was walking alongside her with the sound of the pebbles under her feet. You could hear like the waves crashing in the background. Um, I liked when she was pointing out things that she could see around her as well, like the little family who were having a picnic outside one of the beach huts. It was really atmospheric. Yeah, I thought she brought up some really good points as well while she was on her walk. Um, she was really descriptive and yeah, I think she just really got into it, which is really nice. Yeah, it sounded like she loved where she was and I actually go down to Hove a lot, so I was imagining where she was and really wanting to be back there. So I can imagine like how beautiful it was where she was walking. I loved what she was saying about being near to the sea and the proximity to nature and water. And that's definitely something that I've been feeling over the past year, just being drawn to the sea. And, you know, we haven't been able to visit the coast um, as we might have done in the past. And I think I really liked what she said about feeling grateful for where we're able to have our walks and a greater appreciation for our local surroundings. Yeah, I'm quite lucky that I live, like I can see the sea from where I'm sitting right now. So, but I didn't, I don't think I really appreciated it before, before lockdown happened and then suddenly we couldn't really go anywhere. And and then I, I was lucky enough to be able to walk along the beach still when lots of people weren't able to do that so I, I felt a lot of more gratitude for where I live this year than I have done before. Yeah definitely I think a lot of people have decided as well that maybe where they're living right now I think lockdown has kind of made them rethink whether or not that's where they want to stay which is what she was saying as well like a lot of people decided to move out of London haven't they um, and head more into the countryside. Yes yeah, definitely opened up the world hasn't it? this past year and I really loved when she said um, she feels close to happiness when she's near the beach and the sea and that's something that I can definitely relate to and when she was talking about the sea and the sky as well I really loved that because that's something that I often think about I can be really moved by the sky changing or really excited by a spectacular sunset um I don't know if you girls feel the same, but 
I get quite giddy when I'm looking at the sky. <laughs> I really liked what she said about the waves, where the waves have come from. That has never, ever occurred to me. Like I, I've lived here for three years and never looked at the sea and thought, where has that come from? But now I am going to think about that every time I see a wave. Where has it traveled from? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you just wouldn't think that, would you? When you're, you know, watching the tide come in, you just wouldn't. Well, I wouldn't think that of oh, where's that wave come from. Yeah, I loved what she was saying about how when she goes out at different times of day, um, she notices things that maybe she didn't notice when she was just walking in the day normally. I think it demonstrates how temporary life is as well. Whenever I'm on a walk and you see the ever-changing effects of nature through the seasons, then I think it makes you really aware of how things are constantly changing and nothing's forever and you know things will bloom again and even if things seem you know dark and despairing then you know the sun will come out again and the flowers will bloom and um it just kind of demonstrates that and I think that's what she was tapping into. So Amanda pointed out that it had been a really long winter this year and it has been but I've I think the changing nature and seeing the flowers come up has really improved my mood and I know she said she gets out in any weather like there's no such thing as bad weather there's just bad equipment and clothing but I've definitely I've definitely fallen foul of seeing that it's raining and deciding actually no I'm not going out for a walk but actually maybe I should just invest in a better coat and then I would be able to go out <laughs> for a walk and enjoy the nature and have that my mood lifted even when it was during the really cold long winter that we've just had. Yeah I can cope with a bit of rain but when it's like rain and wind I don't think it's for me really. I, I have to I can cope with one of the elements but not not multiple <laughs> elements but then maybe I do just need to invest in some better weather gear I did get some quite expensive snow boots when I lived in Russia so I have I got those out when it snowed this year and made some use of them over the uh, small amount of snow we had (laughs) I feel like I need to see these snow boots they're amazing (laughs) yeah 100% (laughs) I did wear them to the office when um during the beast from the east that time (laughs) (laughs) and I think there's not always the best weather but also Amanda was saying you don't always feel your best self either but how you know just going on a walk you'll never regret going on one even if you don't want to present that version of yourself to the world but you know once you've been on it and once you come back then you'll you'll never regret going on it and you'll likely to feel much better when you get back as well yeah definitely I I 100% agree with that I don't think there's ever been a time when I've gone out on a walk and not felt better afterwards like my mood has always improved and I feel less stressed and I just feel like I can think about things a little bit clearer I think the only times when I felt bad after a walk is if I've forgotten my coat and then (laughs) I'm soaked through (laughs) then I just feel a bit miserable (laughs) That's just bad planning, Vicky. Yeah, <laughs> not looking at the weather. <laughs> I liked um, how many um, exercises she provided in during her walk. The best one, I think, that I would take away with me is the one about the water in the glass. I know it's not just me this year who's definitely experienced more anxiety than they might normally would. 
um and there's definitely been times when my mind has been like a whirling mess so having that idea of having the water in the glass and stirring salt in and watching it settle is something I never heard of before but it's definitely something I will take with me going forward and next time I have whirling thoughts I will imagine this glass and just feel calmer and she said that um, we can have up to 70,000 thoughts a day so I can just imagine that whirling glass of salt be in my brain which I think I probably had about 70,000 thoughts by nine o'clock this morning um (laughs) I think the monkeys in my mind were having a party today so I actually went on a morning walk with my dad um and it really helped to clear that chatter so I think that Amanda's advice of you can never have a bad walk applies uh, to me this morning as well. One of the other exercises that I really enjoyed was the breathing exercise. Yeah, that yeah, was really I good. That. Which I found myself um, doing with her. I had my eyes shut for that one. Yeah, I think it's really interesting what she said about breathing, how important it is. I think a lot of us, well, we all probably take it for granted, um, but actually controlling your breathing can have a huge impact on like you said, like she said, um, how, how you think and feel. So having more control of it is a really interesting way to help us learn to calm ourselves. Um, I know in the past in, in the magazine, we've had various breathing exercises, sometimes to like make you more energetic or calm down. Um, so it's definitely something that we all can look more into and um, have more control of. Yeah. And I think we just presume that we know how to do it because it's something we're born with but actually I think we're often in a state of quite shallow breathing and if we stop to take a moment like Amanda did then we might actually take in a full breath and relax a bit more and realize that oh we've been in a state of I'm reluctant to say stress because Amanda calls it floopy or flaky or um, <laughs> renaming it. Yeah, I really liked what she said about renaming words or recoining words. That's the um, selfful, reclaiming selfish, because selfish is, of, like she said, has become quite a negative thing. But actually, it just means me time, having time for yourself and putting yourself first, which, again, as she said, uh, as women, we often don't do that. We often put anybody and everybody else's needs above our own so reclaiming that word and changing it to self-full I think is a really nice idea that lots of us could could take on yeah and there's nothing wrong with fulfilling your own needs and uh, I was thinking when I was listening to Amanda actually what a sad life that would be if you hadn't done anything for you or that brings you joy definitely I think a lot of us um people pleases them end up doing things that actually we don't want to do absolutely and I think switching up language can be really powerful like she was saying about stress and I don't know if anyone else has found it useful to switch around some of the language they use um but I'm going to be ending this conversation saying that I've had a super productive day (laughs) yeah definitely I really liked that I thought that was one of the best things she said during the whole the whole talk. Now, at the end of each of these episodes, I'm going to be asking the team what their main takeaways were from the interview and what matters to them most. I'm going to be a little rascal today, a word I'm hoping to bring back, (laughs) and I'm actually going to put myself last. So, Stacey, what do you 
think you're going to take away from today's chat? I really loved what Amanda said about how switching off is twofold. So she was talking about how she likes to connect to the things that are important to her and disconnect to the things that aren't important to her. And I think definitely for me, I can be quite guilty about focusing on the things that I think I should be doing rather than the things that matter to me. 100%. Don't should all over your life is what I say. (laughs) What about you, Vicky? I really liked the 10-10-10 rule. I am definitely guilty of worrying about something and thinking, oh God, it's like a massive catastrophe. But actually stopping and thinking, will it matter in 10 seconds? Will it matter in 10 weeks or 10 years? I probably in 10 years, I probably wouldn't even remember it happened. So um, that's definitely something I'm going to take away with me. What about you, Holly? I think her point about living in the present and this being her favorite walk that she's been on because it's the here and now. And I think that's so true. And I was thinking when I was listening to it that, well, we're here and we're alive and we should be grateful for this moment that's here and now. And that's not to say that we shouldn't reminisce or have dreams, but we won't get this moment back. And not everyone gets to be a part of the moment that you're in now. So I think it's really important to take that breath that she was demonstrating in the talk and just enjoy this moment here and now and I really have I've literally enjoyed this moment here and now chatting to you both and hearing from Amanda so a massive thanks from me to you Vicky and Stacey and of course to our very first thoroughly fabulous guest on this podcast Amanda Byram Most important of all, though, thanks so much to you for listening. We've got loads more fantastic, fascinating guests coming up, and we can't wait to share their wellness journey with you. And so until next time, from me and the whole of the health and wellbeing team, stay well and see you soon. Before you unlace your trainers, we've got an exclusive health and wellbeing magazine subscription deal for you, our lovely Walk to Wellbeing listeners. Head to giftstoyou.com forward slash APOD1. That's A-P-O-D and the number one to get three issues for just $9.99, saving you over 25% and delivered straight through your front door. The link is in the description of this episode to make redeeming this fantastic offer simple and easy. Remember to share your walk with us on social media using the hashtag WalkToWellbeing And you can even download exactly the same list of questions that you heard our guest chat through earlier in this episode. You can record your very own Walk to Wellbeing episode and we'd absolutely love to hear it. For all the details, head to this episode's description and we hope you enjoyed strolling with us today.